because like the world is so nice. Like this lady, she told me, she said, Brittany, go to the light. Go to the light and see Jesus, okay? And I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna do it. And I did it and it happened. And it's just so weird because our world is so nice. Welcome to Planet 2000s, a place where we celebrate pop music's most iconic moments from the most iconic decade in pop music history. Let's dive in. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Planet 2000s podcast. We are starting our third season off with a bang, an album that just celebrated its 15th anniversary, Britney Spears' Blackout. It was the fifth studio album by the undisputed Princess of Pop, so we're about to get into it. It received its North American release on October 30th, 2007, but it was released in separate territories a few days earlier. 15 years ago. Britney is the sole executive producer on this record, and it is the only album of hers where she has that credit. So it is very special to her narrative as a pop star. She was famously doing shit on her terms. That is a situation that would unfortunately change not too long after this whole album process was complete. We can look back at this time, not through the lens of the media where they were trying to paint it where she was suffering so much, but maybe we can look at it through the lens of her creativity. Look what came out of it, this incredible, incredible record. The album was recorded during 2006 and 2007, a time in which her personal struggles were being highly publicized and scrutinized to the point where they completely overshadowed any professional or creative projects that she may have had in the works. The fact that she was able to come out with this dance pop and electro pop album that was so futuristic and that was so ahead of its time, think futuristic gay club bangers from start to finish, bop after bop, I can go on and on, you know, it just shows just how much of a creative Britney Jean Spears really is. Lyrical content on this album revolved around fame, love, media scrutiny, heartbreak, sex, clubbing, and having a good time, and just Britney being Britney at the tender age of 25. (laughs) The the record, I can't believe she was younger than I am now. (laughs) That's insane. The record features a number of renowned background vocalists such as Carrie Hilson, Robin, Pharrell Williams, and Danger. Production on the record was done by Danger, Bloodshine, Avant, Sean Garrett, and the Neptunes, among some other amazing, amazing people. Report. And then we ended up in LA. And, um, and it was just, uh, when, five, when Brittany, five, she was in the room with us in LA. I mean, in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And um, so we kind of got the ball rolling and got a vibe. And then uh, we went to LA and I was just creating in the room and just coming up with different beats. So I remember going back to Virginia, working on something. And um, we're still making beats for her and finally got back to different writers and, and wrote some of the songs. I remember doing, I remember doing Give Me More Beat. <laughs> People might not even understand it. I remember doing Give Me More Beat mm-hmm. in a Fantasia session in the headphones. <laughs> Reports from G.R. Rodem and Sean Garrett as early as May 2006 show them saying that they were in the studio with Britney working on new music, and the remainder of the songs were recorded on and off just up until the summer of 2007. And in this time, Britney had very clearly been going through many highly publicized personal struggles and a lot of issues do reflect in the music. Britney started working with J.R. Rodem after hearing a song that he produced for Rihanna. You may know it. S.O.S. Please someone help me. The two recorded the track Everybody or 
you know, from listening to Britney's voice, everybody, <laughs> as well as a few other songs that did not end up on the album. He also ended up selling nasty stories to the media, something that me and my amazing guests, Troy and Jesse, do touch on later in this episode. She started working with Danger in July 2006, and the true heart of the album was born. Danger hooked up with Carrie Hilson and Jim Beans and Corte Ellis, and the group crafted seven songs for Britney, which ended up on the album. These songs were Give Me More, Break the Ice, Get Naked, Hot as Ice, Perfect Lover, Out of This World, and Get Back. So, you know, really the, the heart and soul of Blackout was done through these Danger and Carrie Hilson recording sessions. Danger explained that the creative process was not difficult at first. He was left to do pretty much whatever he wanted. And if Britney felt that she was going to write it and if she wasn't down, you would see it. They worked together for the first time in Vegas in August 2006. She was seven months pregnant with her son, Jaden. They continued recording about three weeks after she gave birth. And Carrie Hilson commented, quote, she gave 150%. I don't know any other mother that would do that. Damn. Danger also added that despite the problems Britney was having in her personal life, her work ethic was 100% and she always came to work and did what she needed to do. On November 8th, 2006, the day after she first filed from divorce, or I guess she only filed that one time, from Kevin Federline, Britney recorded Radar with Ezekiel Lewis and Patrick M. Smith of production duo The Clutch at Sony Music Studios in New York City. Lewis had wanted to work with her for a while and, you know, wanted to produce something for her. They came up with Radar and they knew Britney would love it and they said she was so professional and so efficient and she took direction so well they were not expecting that. They even said that they didn't know what they were expecting because they went to cut the record the day after she filed from divorce from, from Kevin. So when you listen to Radar, just think she just filed for divorce. So she was really, like, feeling it in that moment. T-Pain who also worked on the record, co-wrote the song Hot As Ice. And he was in the studio with Britney in February 2007, which is the time that she shaved her head. When you're listening to Hot As Ice, that was literally like that time. It was right before she had that incident. He said that this was one of the three songs they recorded together, finished in about an hour. He said that he thought she was going to be sitting on a couch eating Doritos or nachos or something, but she came in, shook my hand, gave me a hug, and went right in the booth. She got in there and put it down. That's what we call a queen. Songwriter and producer Cara Guardi also worked on the album. I'm just trying to name drop, you know, some of the amazing 2000s writers and producers that worked on this record because, you know, it's so decadent to the time. Cara Diaguardi also worked on the record and said that she and Britney recorded while Britney was still pregnant. So Jaden James, appreciate your mother, please, and listen to Blackout because you were in her belly, okay? Gosh. <laughs> she got back in winter 2006 with her old manager, Larry Rudolph, whom she had fired a few years earlier, only for her to cut ties with him a few months later after he forced her into a rehabilitation center in early 2007. But more on that whole era of her personal life in a bit. Now, before we get into the singles, we have to talk about the journey that was choosing a title for this album. In true Britney fashion, before the days of social media, Britney was airing out her feelings online for her fans. But back then, it would happen in the form of letters posted to her website, BritneySpears.com. In June 2007, Britney posted a message asking what she should call her upcoming album. These are the options. OMG is like Lindsay Lohan, okay like? What if the joke's on you? Down boy, integrity, and dignity. <laughs> Dignity was Hilary Duff's album that came out a couple months before this. So I remember when I read this on the website, I was like, is this a nod to Hilary Duff? <laughs> I feel like integrity is very Britney. What if the jokes on you is very Britney. OMG is like Lindsay Lohan, like, okay, like she was definitely trolling us. <laughs> 
But I love it. I love Lindsay Lohan. (laughs) Blackout ended up being the choice. A perfect choice, if you ask me, given the time in her life. As per tradition, let's get into these singles. (laughs) These were the official ones off the record. Give me more, piece of me, and break the ice. So give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Okay, enough. Sir, I want a number three. Sir, what is it? Number three. What kind of soda? What kind of what? Soda. 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 Coke. 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 With Coke. Large. Large. Anything out there? Ice cream. That's it, Brittany. Some ice cream. Some ice cream. Yummy. <laughs> what flavor, Brittany? What flavor? Vanilla. Strawberry. Strawberry ice cream, please. Milkshake. Milkshake for Brittany. Sunday. Medium size. Medium That's size, it. yes. That's it. That's it. That's it. Thank you. We got it. We'll pay. We'll pay. Give me more. What can we say about Gimme More? It was released as the lead single from the album officially on August 31st, 2007. It's a dance pop, electropop, EDM song. It was recorded in the 2006 recording sessions with Danger, which took place while Britney was still pregnant with her son, Jaden James. It's iconic, and I mean iconic, opening line. It's Britney Bitch has not only become her signature catchphrase, but it has been embedded into pop culture history forever as one of pop's greatest moments. And I am not exaggerating. The track was co-written by Jim Bean's Marcella Miss Lago Araika, Danger Hills, Carrie Hilson. Like, come on, Carrie Hilson, I love you. You're all over this album. Justice for you and your career. And Danger took the reins on the production. It's important to point out that Danger was still a pretty young producer and he had recently gained media attention around this time for his work on Nelly Furtado's Loose album, but he was always associated with Timbaland, and he was like, when am I going to get my own moment to be away from Timbaland and have my own moment to shine? And Blackout was that. Britney wanted this record to be something a little more urban, as she always would say, and he was the perfect fit. In an interview for Rhapsody, Danger commented that he added a speak-sing outro to stake his claim, since Gimme More was one of his first solo productions. He said that there was a lot riding on my future, because people think I'm around because of Timbaland, and they don't really know what I am capable of, he said. Well, you proved your point, man, because Gimme More is fucking iconic. Carrie Hilson wrote the song's lyrics with Britney in mind after hearing the instrumental. Britney recorded the song in Las Vegas. The track is Eurodance pop with a hint of darkness and edge. It's the perfect song and sound to describe Britney at this time. Edge. <laughs> Britney's vocals are super breathy, echoing her I'm a slave me vocals, maybe even with a hint of Donna Summer's Love to Love You Baby, honestly. Sexy and sensual, yet pleasant to listen to. And again, I'm just gonna say it. It's Britney, bitch. Like, she was staking her claim and, you know, it happened so organically. How did how did the It's Britney, bitch line come about? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, the, the producer told me to say that. I didn't, uh, I, I didn't do it. The, um, the guy who wrote the song was like, do this here or whatever, you know, and that's how it came about. And the legend was born. Most importantly, while the media was ruthless and relentless to Britney at this time, the song received universal and I mean universal, acclaim instantly upon its release. Blender Magazine said it was a hypnotic pole dance song. The Guardian called it futuristic and thrilling. And the New York Times said, the electro beats and bass lines are as thick as her voice is thin. She delivers almost nothing but slithery come-ons and 
defiant invitations to nightclub decadence. I know they were trying to be a little shady there, but they were actually saying that it's an infectious, amazing song, but they just had to throw their shade in there because they were the New York Times. And funny enough, all those years later, they made all those documentaries about her. But I digress. A music video was shot on July 19, 2007, with additional scenes being filmed on August 7, 2007. Jake Sarfati was the director, and he was handpicked by Britney. The treatment of the video was Britney's concept as well, and it was her vision. But stories from the set are infamous. Michael Skye, who was the makeup artist for the video, told People Magazine that Britney sabotaged the director by refusing to perform and follow script. Classic 2007 Britney. I mean, shall we read? Hashed the OK Magazine shoot. <laughs> Scenes with Britney wearing a black dress, black boots, and a black hat with a black veil over her face have leaked over the years, as well as scenes of Britney on a bed. Both of these sequences were left out of the final video, leading fans down a rabbit hole of conspiracy theories of what the video was supposed to be. On September 13, 2007, it was reported by the New York Times, again, that the music video was being tweaked with input from her advisors since the gritty stripper-themed clip made jolt fans who are more accustomed to the slick, tightly choreographed videos that made her an MTV staple. Hey, you know what? She was doing some dancing on that poll, okay? Troy, Jesse, and I do discuss this in detail again, so stay tuned, darling, because we will be talking song by song, track by track. The video made its premiere on the iTunes store on October 5th, 2007, along with premieres on MTV and BET on October 8th and 10th, 2007, respectively. The final video was majority Britney pole dancing. This is indeed the perfect stripper song, along with scenes of a blonde Britney with her girlfriends at a bar checking out a guy. A little basic, if I'm being honest, and a letdown for such an iconic song, but I will say that because of everything surrounding her life at this time, the video is iconic in its own way. Now, I can't very well speak of this song without acknowledging the 2007 MTV Video Music Awards performance. Britney was booked to make her major comeback to the MTV stage. The single was performing well, and the anticipation was at an all-time high. So when news came out that Britney was going to open the Las Vegas ceremony, the public went insane. Illusionist Chris Angel was even rumored to be taking part in the performance. However, it is thought that the bit was nixed by producers at the last minute, as when Britney took the stage no magic was in sight. <laughs> in fact, depending on who you ask, what was shown was the furthest thing from magical. In the first second of seeing Britney, it is obvious, painfully obvious, that she's not there mentally. And the whole performance is Britney going through the motions, barely lip syncing, dancing with very low energy. And when you mix those in with the awkward celebrity reactions from 50 Cent, Chris Brown, and Rihanna, it was basically a train wreck, for lack of a better term. The performance was universally panned by both critics and audiences alike, and only furthered the narrative that the Britney we all knew was gone. Vinay Manon of the Toronto Star commented that Britney looked hopelessly dazed. She was wearing the expression of somebody who had been deposited at the Palms Casino Resort by a tornado, one that promptly twisted away, taking her clothing and sense of purpose. She was lumbering in slow motion as if somebody had poured cement into her streetwalker boots. Damn, rude, man. Not a good depiction of the six. But I will go ahead and argue that while this performance may be considered one of the worst, you can also say it is one of the most iconic, why? Well, as Beyonce went on to say, you know you that bitch when you cause all that conversation, and conversation was fucking caused. The most notable being Chris Crocker, now known as Kara Cunningham, posting their infamous Leave Britney Alone clip. 
her song is called Give Me More for a Reason because all you people want is more, 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 more! Leave her alone! You're lucky she even performed for you bastards! Leave Benny alone! Please! <laughs> this is a clip that has haunted me personally for the rest of my life as everyone loves to say hey look it's Michael everybody loves to say hey look Michael you know you're Chris Crocker to this day I still get that many people were also comparing Britney to Anna Nicole Smith who had died earlier that year with Chris fearing that should the public scrutiny not stopped, Britney would follow in Anna Nicole's footsteps. Thank God that did not happen. In terms of the charts, Gimme More was a bonafide hit. It reached number one in Canada, number two in Denmark, Ireland, Italy, and Sweden, and number three in the USA, Australia, Norway, and the UK. The song also got a major surge in 2021 after the song went viral on TikTok with its own dance and now has over 400 million streams on Spotify, making it one of Britney's most streamed songs. Britney also performed the song during the 2011 Femme Fatale tour and all throughout her four-year Vegas residency, Britney Peace of Me, and the residency's adjacent 2018 world tour. Where the fuck's her Grammy, bitch? You should go to the Grammys tomorrow, Brit. Yeah, Grammys can kiss Britney's ass. I just wanted to take a moment to let you guys know where you can find me on social media. I am on Instagram at Planet2000s, or you can hit me up on my personal page at Michael Kadosh, C-A-D-O-C-H. If you guys want to talk about some good old pop music or just reminisce about some good times, then make sure to hit me up there. I'm also on Twitter or Facebook at Michael Kadosh. Back to the pod. Uh, thanks for that. Do any dancing rehearsals anytime soon with your... Uh... Dancers? I don't know if the video is gonna have dancers in it. Oh. It may just be me or um, depending on what the concept is. Okay, bye, Brittany. Brittany, we just want a piece. We love the music video. Piece of me was awesome. Brittany. Brittany, the piece of me video was awesome. Yeah, I think it was about us, wasn't it, Brittany? About the paparazzi. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you, you, you. Oh, yeah. Come on, Brittany. Nice. We, we love you too, girl. I had to be the expert. All dead. It's all over it's YouTube, YouTube, man. Party at my house. All right, let's, let's go. go. Let's go. Peace of Me was the last song that Britney recorded for the album, and it ended up serving as the album's second single. And my my, what a second single it was. It doesn't get more autobiographical than this, ladies and gentlemen. And she didn't even write the damn song, but she sung and performed the fuck out of it in that studio booth, let me tell you. It got its single release on November 27th, 2007, written by Bloodshy and Avant and Klaas Ahlund. The song is a Swedish masterpiece, with pop singer Robin singing in the background vocals of the song. It was a direct response to the media paparazzi and scrutiny that was surrounding Britney's life at the time, a time where many would have categorized her as a social pariah. Britney worked with Bloodshy and Avant, and they had been working together since 2003's In The Zone sessions, so they had witnessed firsthand just how crippling her paparazzi experience was and that was what inspired the lyrics of this song um just you know like wherever you go and stuff like that there's a lot of people who like you know want to ask questions and like you know they just um you know sometimes you you know you don't know their intentions and stuff like that so it's just kind of a cute way of putting it out there you know like you want a piece of me and like in a you know cool cute clever way so it's you know, it's, it's, like, it's a cute song. I like it. When the album was considered to be finished, Bloodshine Avant were persuaded by her A&R, Teresa LaBarbera White, to work on a new track. Pontus Winberg commented that it had always been an unwritten rule not to write songs about 
Britney's personal life, since the label rejected Sweet Dreams by LAX, which was written as a response track to Justin Timberlake's Crimea River. That song went to Rachel Stevens from S Club 7 for her solo career, so if you want to listen to that song, you can definitely find it all over the place. It's just song by Rachel Stevens, was written for Britney, though. That's a piece of me. The song was an EDM pop, electro pop, and dance pop song. Just call it Euro pop, baby. <laughs> it was so damn good. The synthesized vocals, the weird noises. You know, I love it. <laughs> I'm not even gonna touch the video, but we do get into it, Troy, Jesse, and I. I will just say that Wayne Isham's, you know, he was the video's director. He did such a phenomenal job, and the two had worked together for her I'm Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman video, so... When he was explaining the video's infamous dance scene, he said the very last dance of the piece, she had her hair up. And I go, can you just do one more with your hair down? She dropped her hair down. We'll see. And then you'll see we intercut with her hair up and her hair down. That was the last piece. She just rocked it from her heart. She choreographed that last dance at the very end. And she did that on her own and said, let's go for it. That's the Britney that I know. MTV even had a contest going called Britney Spears Wants a Piece of You, where fans could direct their own video for the song using footage of interviews and performances of Britney using the MTV video remixer on their website. The winning video had a TRL premiere on December 20th, 2007, with Jive Records and Britney herself being the ones to choose the winner. The song was a hit worldwide, reaching number one in Ireland, number two in Australia, Scotland, and the UK, number four in Denmark and New Zealand, number five in Canada, and number 18 in the USA. The song and its video are also notable for winning Britney her first ever MTV Video Music Award. And the winner for Best Female Video is... And the winner for Best Pop Video is... Britney Spears, Peace of Me. Britney Spears, Peace of Me. Britney Spears! Thank you so much. I'm speechless. A travesty that it took her that long. And I actually remember being so happy when she won. And I came to school the next day and said to my friend Rachel, I was like, oh my God, she won, she won. You know, she won three awards that evening. Best female video, best pop video, and video of the year. And while maybe Peace of Me wasn't her best video, and there were videos before that she should have won for it, the fact of the matter is she won. And that's all I care about. Break the Ice. It was the third single and the final single from the album released on March 3rd, 2008. Break the Ice is another masterpiece creation from the Danger Sessions. Originally, Radar was going to be the third single, but it was switched to Break the Ice after winning a poll on the Britney Spears website. But don't worry, Radar would go on and get its moment on every other Britney album. <laughs> the song is electro R&B, pop with a dark edge. Similar to many of the songs on the Blackout album, there are even some crunk influences in this song. Many people even compare parts of the song to Janet Jackson's Nasty, particularly when Britney says, I like this part. It <laughs> feels kind of good. <laughs> I love a pop song with a pop girly speaking. It's just so good. A remix with the rapper Fabulous was initially going to be released as the third single and have a music video with a chair dancing sequence similar to what we see in Stronger. However, due to her personal life and struggles at the time, the idea was cancelled and Britney came up with the idea for creating an animated video instead. Remember, Britney was hospitalized for only a few weeks prior to this single's release and was placed under a court-ordered conservatorship. A conservator that would see her father, Jamie Spears, earn complete control of her personal and finances for the next 13 and a half years. Thank God justice has been half served because at least she's free, but he's not in jail yet. And we are working on that for you, Brittany, I promise. Brittany performed Break the Ice for the first time during her Brittany Peace of Me Vegas residency show and continued to do, to do so throughout the entire run. The song reached number three in Belgium, number seven in Ireland, number eight in Finland, number nine in Canada, number 15 in the UK, 23 in Australia, and number 43 in in the USA. 
I'm very excited to tell you guys about this new company that I've been working with. In our COVID times, you know that small businesses are booming right now. And this small business is one that I can ride or die for. Jaden Collections Boutique. Jaden Collections Boutique has everything from fun accessories like jewelry, bracelets, and masks to keep yourselves protected from COVID to personalized crewnecks and t-shirts and other different clothing items. Small business mama that is making it happen for herself. If you guys go on her Instagram at Jaden Collections Boutique, you can take a look at all the fun things that she has to offer and also the link to her website. If you guys decide to purchase a little something, make sure to enter the code PLANET2000 in the checkout in order to get 20% off of your order. That is PLANET2000 to get 20% off of your order at Jaden Collections Boutique on Instagram. We love to help out a small business and we love to see them thrive at Jaden Collections Boutique. Back to the pod. I was just wondering why you're not with your buddy tonight. Uh, he's not here. Excuse me? He's not here. Where are you going, Brittany? Is everything okay? Why don't you go film your friend? Maybe you guys can make a lot of money together. Gay videos are in, you know. Are you going to continue to sit here and film me? Are you going to be on your way? Because I'm never going anywhere. There were really good reviews for this album. Blender Magazine said that this was her most consistent album, a seamlessly entertaining collection of bright, brash electropop. Entertainment Weekly said, There is something delightfully escapist about Blackout. A perfectly serviceable dance album, abundant in the kind of bouncy electro elements that betressed her hottest hits. Rolling Stone Magazine would go on to include the album at number 441 on their list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. That's right, all time. They described it as the weirdest, wildest music of her life, an avant disco concept album about fame, scandal, divorce, and dancing on tables in a cloud of glitter and Cheetos dust. Mostly, it's an album about not giving a fuck, which is why it sounds perfect for grim times like these. If our girl could emerge from the wreckage with an album like Blackout, there's hope for us all. Rob Sheffield of Rolling Stone. Interesting take. <laughs> the album debuted at number two on the US Billboard 200 charts with 290,000 copies sold in the first week, second to the Eagles' Long Road Out of Eden, which had sold 700 111,000 copies in the first week. Controversially only at Walmart, which up until that week would have made that album exempt from charting. So she was totally robbed, but whatever. I'm not even going to get into that. It was certified platinum in America and has sold up to 5 million worldwide. So it was very successful, but most importantly, it was impactful. And you know why? And you know how we know it was impactful? Because you're about to listen to a bunch of gay boys talking about this album for another hour. Are you ready for it? I think you are. Troy, Jesse, let's do this. <laughs> <We're so I'm> great. <laughs> it's time to have our threesome finally we've been yes. it for a while finally good god i feel like so i've had you each on separately troy you came on my madonna episode for music jesse you're on my hillary episode but really like the main kind of denominator between the three of us has always been Britney. And we've never talked about Britney on my pod before. I know that I've been on Troy's and we did a Hawaii, live in Hawaii episode, but we've never gone deep on an album before. So for it to be the Blackout, like, it seems pretty cool. Obviously, the Blackout album is huge in Britney's discography. What are your memories in terms of, like, that time in her life that time in your life just the blackout era blackout was actually in a, a little bit of a blind spot for me it was a britney break mm. because my personal life when i was in high school and this album came out was pretty rough my mom was very sick and in the hospital and had a very long recovery and 
um, it's not that I wasn't listening to music. I just feel like I wasn't as tuned in to certain things in my life at this time. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of missed Blackout and had to rediscover it uh, as an adult. I I knew some of the songs outside of the singles, but I, you know, I, I came back to it. And I think it was nice, though, because... I really appreciated it more as a fully realized adult. Mm -hmm. And so I have really fond memories of like rediscovery and getting to enjoy it and actually like hear some of the songs when I'm out. It's, it's a really special album. I love it. Your experience with this record is more it's legacy versus it's actual inception, right? Yeah, absolutely. Great way to put it. Well, I was a freshman in college when this album came out because I'm a decrepitly old. (laughs) Um, So I was like, you know, 18 or 19 years old. I was like like in the most debaucherous kind of lowbrow, you know, dimly lit room era of my life. Like just really, really trashy. And all of my friends were kind of in the same boat and like we were all going through stuff and one of my best friends was like having an actual uh crisis as Brittany was and we were all ra- like it was just like a really like young messy time and this album was the soundtrack to that time for me of like going out to like college parties and stuff for the first time and like just being debaucherous and I also just remember like my memories of kind of forming I, th- I think who I am is like a podcaster because every single day I was like checking the news to see if she was still alive. And like oh, yeah. people were constantly updating me and asking me what was going on and having to figure out how to read blind items and like message boards and all of that stuff. It was just like a very, I was very like locked in. Like I really was like kind of manic for this album the whole year, really similar to you this was a time when every single day i was checking online to see if she was still alive like Mm -hmm. that was that was the reality at that time i'm not a religious boy but you know at the time i was very young when this album came out i was 12 years old in 2007 so you know when you're that young you're still kind of doing what your parents tell you so i was going to synagogue every week because i because that was what we had to do and (laughs) you guys i used to pray her to be okay like that was my reality I, like every every time i would go i'd be like you know what i'll go to synagogue because i can pray for britney like that Same. that was what it was like at that time every day was yeah. something new the interesting part of all of this is while it was her most i guess you'll say tumultuous personal lifetime although was it really her most tumultuous personal lifetime given what we've seen in recent years right. i don't know but you know in that time that was considered to be her worst she kind of made her most artistic record that she's ever made. It is a testament, I think, to her just genuine talent as a musician. A lot of people weren't checking for her music at this time. I just remember it always being about like her antics and nobody was really paying attention to the music. And so I think when the album came out and it was actually good, so many people were a little bit surprised, you know, and that's why it still sold because it didn't matter that she bombed the VMAs. It didn't matter all this stuff. The music was actually really, really good. And it stood the test of time, like we see in Jesse's case right here. Like, if it was an album that was just kind of like a flash, a breakdown record, as you may want to say, then it wouldn't have lasted all these years and it wouldn't have created the legacy that it did. You absolutely feel it. And it's so cohesive, but wacky and experimental. But there's there's a definite tone that ties it all together really well. 
So it's so easy to just listen to it front to back, like seamless, you know, it, it, it just listens and reads and plays so well, the story, the feelings, everything, it does what it needs to do. I mean, without further ado, let's just get into it. Yes. Let's just get into it. Track number one, maybe the most iconic album opener in the history of music. (laughs) (laughs) Gimme More. I think that Gimme More is one of those songs that, like you said, it's hard to, um, when it's so sort of ingrained in like the zeitgeist, it's hard to like pick it apart. Mm -hmm. But if you look at Gimme More as a song, like if, if you had never heard it, it is wild for her discography. Yeah. Like if you think about what she had released up to that point and what she was going through publicly and for her debut song from this really dark CD album to be that song is just so like profound. Like it just worked out exactly like it was supposed to, you know? We can start just with the, the writers on this song. Carrie Hilson? Like oh. Like, oh, don't even bring her up. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, listen, this was this was before all the, you know, I don't want to say success that she had, but I mean, <laughs> right, <laughs> a little bit of success that Carrie had. You know, having a name of her own. Carrie Hilson was a complete unknown, and she was a co-writer on the song along with Danger, along with Marcella Araika. Kind of incredible that this is in Carrie Hilson's discography. So let's just start there who would have thought that pretty girl rock had gimme more in her discography (laughs) (laughs) britney and carrie hilson's years together are so fun i remember reading about um how they would like stay up really late and like look through myspace for like um fun beats and stuff because that's when you could just like take a beat from myspace and like Mm -hmm. use it and it was like fine you know and like i just like love the idea of that the thing with me in this song is definitely how strong the chorus is you know there's a radio interview with avril lavigne i'll never forget this around the time of this <laughs> album where she was you know talking about how she i think was doing karaoke and she was saying how she did oops at karaoke and then she's like and i love her new song give me give me give me in her classic avril way that song is kind of catchy though when i first you know played what? it i thought i actually think it's a really it's 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 pretty good it's definitely the strongest one on the record that I've heard so far. Gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> but she's so right. Cause like those gimme are so strong. And so like you hear it and you're like, oh shit. And something that I think is really important to note, there's a few things that this song really represented, right? It was like an unintentional rebrand. It's Britney bitch. Like oh, we all knew that Britney was that girl. Like we knew because of everything that she had done prior to this. But to be so like, forward and in your face about it and also queer that's a very like gay thing to say Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean uh it was it was so different it was grimy it was underground it was like euro trash it was (laughs) everything that i think that she always meant to be you know but also it was r&b and so many things that kind of clashed and became something great that was unexpected. Yeah, and the it's Britney bitch, you know, that was danger because Britney even said herself, I think there was that Ryan, that infamous Ryan Seacrest radio interview. <laughs> and she's like, oh, the producer of that song just told me to say it. So I said it. And I was just like, I don't even think she knew what 
cultural impact she was going to make with that one phrase. And a testament to Britney as a celebrity and how important she is, because if Billie Eilish, if Billie said it's Billie bitch, I don't think anyone would care the way that they cared when it was it's Britney bitch. You know what I mean? Like there was totally it, it was just so like. Talk about a cultural fucking reset. Yeah, and I also, I've always, the thing that I love about Britney's music is that it's always been, even as far back as like the Baby One More Time, well, I guess maybe more so like the Oops album, there's always been these sort of double entendre mm-hmm. meanings, like where most most of the time it's like pointed at the media. There are so many songs in her catalog where it could be about a relationship or it could be about the public's perception of her at that time, right? This is just such a, a perfect, maybe it, like the top, the best example of that, where she's talking to the public. And there's just so many like kind of loose meanings behind this song. Like, it's just like fun. Even the way that it was released around the time, like as, as far as my memory is concerned, and granted y'all, this was 15 years ago. But as far as I remember, there was never like an official, like Britney has a new song. Like around this time, so many of her songs were getting leaked because she had been in the studio you know, for original doll and she'll, she had been in the studio for years. So, so many songs were leaking. So the way that I first heard this song was it just leaking. And then I guess it got quite a good reaction. And then they started playing it on the radio and I was like, Oh, is this going to become like a single? And then I remember when it hit billboard into number three and I was like, Oh my God, Britney's in the top 10. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was like a craziest moment. And the anticipation for the video, which, which I got to ask you guys about this video. Oh, I want to know your genuine thoughts <laughs> because and when it comes to me, when it came out, I remember being very underwhelmed by the video when it came out. Now I've grown a new appreciation for it. <laughs> well, it's giving low budget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. is so funny because so many of her videos were so... They were such a spectacle, right? And then you have this like found footage, like Blair Witch Project yeah. type of- Very type of Blair Witch there. Project, great cost. Yes. <laughs> and in like Cloverfield, you know what I mean? Like it, it just kind of came out of nowhere and it really, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm about to get canceled. <laughs> it, it really reminds me of Spectacular by Keely Williams. Oh no. <gasps> I see. Disconnect now. Now. It's like no, because it has that filter on it, and they're just kind of like walking around and they go to this like club-esque type of place, and there's like strippers. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like, okay. Well, I mean, I'm a little shook by that analogy because like (laughs) spectacular is iconic. Well, of course it's iconic, but like it's the definition of garbage. It's definitely the definition of garbage, but I mean, this video, I still, I still don't like, this video is fine to me. Troy, did you remember around the time when the video was being shot, all the paparazzi pictures that were coming out of her, like with like that, the funeral kind of look, you know, like what, what are your thoughts on that? Because we've, there's even the photos of her on the bed. Do you really, do you think that there is another video out there? Like what's, what's the Troy McKeady consensus on this? (laughs) Well, so I I have, um, and I will send it to you because I know that I have it saved somewhere, but I did find somebody who posted, like one of those Britney YouTube accounts that posted like the, the, the like only known footage of that shoot where she's supposed to, like it's giving very like Jerry Hollowell, like, uh, look at me. Like, she, like, 
yeah, like she kills her, like she's she's like dead, and then she comes back as like I'm assuming like Mona Lisa was like her intent, like yeah. you know what I mean. I feel like there was gonna be a whole kind of like streamline theme throughout of her like burying the old Britney or whatever. Right. But yeah, like those those videos of her walking outside with the boots and like the slip dress with like the the funeral hat on. <laughs> yeah, like I've heard a lot of different conflicting theories. Like I've heard some theories that were, it was just other scenes that were random scenes that were going to be included that mm-hmm. just were cut. And then I've heard some other theories that it was a whole other video planned of she's killing the old Britney. I don't know uh-huh. what I believe. To be honest, I really think I may believe that they were just random, just scenes that were cut. But then in my mind, I'm thinking, but why would they cut them because the right. actual video only has literally what i'll say one and a half scenes because if i'm not going to count the scenes of her sitting at the bar as a scene like that's not a scene it really was just her on the pole granted she was doing a lot of like hardcore like movements around you know like she was dancing around that pole but i don't know i really do think that it was just scenes that were never finished and maybe you know there was so many paparazzi at that video shoot if you remember how many pictures were leaking it was kind of like in it was insane. It really, I mean, to piggyback off of what Jesse said, it, it, it is a very bad video. Like, it's a right. very, like, it's it's obviously her worst video, and it's even hard looking back. Is like, it her worst video? No. Okay, no, it's not, because she's in it, so it's not her worst video. There we go. actually in it. Yes, you're right. But I will say, it just... This isn't the kind of video that I look back on. I know we're going to talk about Peace of Me. I look at that video and I think, wow, that wasn't like the best video, but I look back now and I love it, right? Mm -hmm. This one, I don't really feel that. Like, if anything, this is a missed opportunity and it makes me sad. Yeah. Like, what this could have been because it's the biggest song, one of the biggest songs of her career and the video means absolutely nothing. Yeah. Well, and we know that Britney has tried to take a darker approach to things like with the Every Time video, right? And so I feel like it makes complete sense that she had a vision and they were like, no, that's too much. I agree. Yeah. Piggybacking on what Troy said, a missed opportunity. That's what I always, when I think of this video, I think of the missed opportunity. This is not one of those songs where I show people, look at Britney's video. Like I I wouldn't show this to somebody who doesn't know Britney. I would, I would show them the song because the song is fucking incredible. Right. I I would try and if anything, I would shield them from the video until I feel (laughs) ready. That's how I feel about Make Me original version. (laughs) Yes. Like horrendous. We can't finish talking about Gimme More without talking about the 2007 VMAs. This award ceremony was going to be kind of like her big comeback. And I remember being so excited about it. And I was I was so excited that even when I was watching, I wasn't even realizing what I was watching because I was still so excited that it was even happening. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then it took a it took the rest of the night for me to realize, like watching the other performances to realize, oh shit, this was terrible. But now as time has gone on, it's so bad that it's kind of fucking legendary. Yeah, it's one of those performances <laughs> where you look back and there's a lot you, of- guys, you guys are both like, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> 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 we're like okay thank you for that point um, shade me shade me girls no no there's a lot of nuance and like there's so many and you know when you know all of the little background things and all the stuff it makes it so much more interesting right like if anything one of the most interesting because there's so much story and folklore behind it <laughs> like guys give me give me an artist who can bomb a performance like that and still 
slay in terms of sales and legacy of the song. Come on. Yeah, men. absolutely. Men, because they don't have to do anything. How about yeah, that? Adam Levine. Yeah, right. <laughs> Although he's get he's getting his reckoning now. So I mean, <laughs> we don't have to talk about it at all. But Jessica Simpson extensions. That's all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Touche. But you know, I will, <laughs> to to that point, I will say it's not like that was the only time Britney had those types of extensions. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this era was famous for them. Track number two, "Piece of Me." Like I like to start with every song. We love to talk about the writers. You know, this was a blood shy and avant. Is it blood she or blood shy? I say Bloodshy. Okay. Okay. So Bloodshy and Avant, we need to acknowledge the background (laughs) vocals in this song, Miss Robin. We hear her throughout the entire song. Mm -hmm. Did we ever think we were going to get a Britney and Robin moment? To be honest, I never did. And just another amazing thing in Britney's pop history and pop discography. Okay. So we start with uh, the common theme throughout this album is like the weird kind of spooky noises. Yeah. And I like the, you know what I mean? Like, I love that. That just sets, that just sets a tone. It's weird. It's weird me. It's spooky. And it, this is so oddly tied to her as a person, like the narrative of the song, even though she didn't write it. This is one of those that like, it was so perfectly Britney. And I definitely think in terms of, you know, if we look at this whole album as a whole, this song definitely describes her life at this time the best in my eyes. And to be honest, even today, because especially if actually more today, because now she's fighting back so much more. And the whole you want a piece of me thing is kind of her narrative at the current time at least on instagram Mm. and so a very big recurring theme in britney's career are songs that were not written by her that were so perfect for her and her life story and the foreshadowing of it all i mean just look at lucky stronger overprotected not a girl you know brave new girl there's so many and piece of me kind of just fits that narrative so perfectly as well bloodshine avant had worked with britney on in the zone so they had a pretty good idea of her as a person not just her as a pop star because you know when you work in the studio like that you know you work pretty closely with the artist and you get to know them on a level that is not a surface and i think that they did such an amazing job writing this song for her that you really would think that she wrote this song herself am i wrong yeah i remember reading um an interview with them where they said that they wrote this song based on the experience of watching britney try and get into the recording studio every day Mm -hmm. and just the spectacle of her going from her car to the door was like this big orchestrated thing because it was so hard for her to just stand outside and you know it was so different than how the recording process had been when they worked together before it was like they could barely get to her as she's walking to them you know what i mean it's like a weird that's a crazy thing showcased in the video as well which the best video from this era obviously Mm -hmm. is piece of me i know i had a very strong reaction positive (laughs) one at the time my reaction was just i was elated i was so happy to see her first of all i was so happy at the time because i've talked about this so many times we lived in a place mentally where britney's hair signified how healthy she was yeah kind of insane right (laughs) yeah like if britney's extensions were really bad we were all like trembling and terrified and if her hair looked good and if it was flippable 
we were like, oh, she's back. She's mentally healthy. She's sound. She's ready to be a mom. Like, that's really up, But it's so true. You know what I mean? And I was just so happy to see her in full glam. She, like, looked great. And, of course, the infamous bathroom scene. Oh. Like, every Britney fan's favorite moment of that video where she's making up that dance. And those girls are trying to keep up with her behind her. It's like, oh, oh. And her putting her hair in the bun and being like, fuck your hair and makeup. Like, I'm just going to wear these glasses that I wear outside every day. It's just so iconic. She made it up in the bathroom. And that's why if you look behind her, some of the girls, like, they don't know what they're supposed to be doing because she's just making shit up. Oh, God, I love her. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's also important to note that this was the first VMA she won, which is disgusting because she was the queen of the VMAs. Like they would be, they wouldn't have half of their iconic moments that they have without her. Yeah. And they didn't award her until Piece of Me, which no shade to Piece of Me. I love the video, but I'm a slave for you. I <laughs> Hello? heard rumors that, um, and obviously these are just rumors, right? So we don't know, we don't really have any way to know if they're going to be true. But I, I heard rumors that in the, at the 2004 VMAs that she was supposed to win um, Best Female Video, but because she didn't appear, they gave it to Beyonce. Ooh, and so, I hate that. I don't know. Like this lived on the message boards for years. It was kind of like a blind type of situation, but it's something that I that I heard back then and I've still kind of seen it. So who knows if it's just a fan theory, but I mean, it would make sense. Toxic, I remember, was nominated for like four VMAs, including Video of the Year. And so mm-hmm. maybe there could have been a moment there. But I mean, it was like, I don't think Piece of Me is her best video. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. But I think that especially given the time, because at this point, it had been years since we had seen Britney in a video where she was dancing. I actually think the last time we saw a video like that was probably Do Something, which at that point was two and a half to three years beforehand because her public persona was really so messy to see her all glammed up like that. You know, it was just to a young 12 year old boy like myself. It was like, okay, there's hope. The funny thing about this video is, you know, we keep thinking there was hope. There was hope. Meanwhile, all the reports of the making of this video were that it was fucking disastrous and that she showed up so late and only showed up for a couple of fucking hours. (laughs) She let them do her hair and then was like, thanks and put it in a messy bun. (laughs) We all know that she loves to do that. We in Vegas. <laughs> There's just something very like no fucks about it now. And you look back and it's like even those stories, it's like there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I love that she treated those people that way because she had been such a good girl for so long, you know, and like she was just kind of fuck you about it. Fucking badass. <laughs> We're going to move on to the song that's on every single Britney Spears album that's ever been <sighs> released. Funny thing about this song, before I even say the name, is that I actually used to really like this song. But, like, I'm talking used to, like, when it was on the Blackout album. As soon as it came onto Circus, I was like, the fuck is this shit? We're talking about Radar. I actually do think it is a it is a fun song. Like, it is a good pop song. It's a Bloodshine Avon production. It's, it's fun. It just... What it needed to be was a deep cut on the album that was never performed and never acknowledged again, a la That's Where You Take Me. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just Mm. needed to be there and nothing more. So my theory is that there has to have been some type of contractual obligation for it to be a single. I believe that there was some contractual moment where she was it was supposed to be a single on Blackout and like they had to fulfill some kind of weird thing but i i I will be honest i do love radar yeah like it's a great song 
<laughs> it's such a good song. And earlier, Michael, you mentioned the leak and how everybody was, you know, discovering these songs through leaks. Mm-hmm. And I would say the Blackout was one of the the rare albums where the leak was almost like to me that was the album release. Of course, like that was the promo. That, it was the promo. It was Perez Hilton releasing the MP3 links of all these songs, and I remembered like losing my shit. And <laughs> Radar was the one that I just played. Oh, I mean, I listened to this song over and over and over. I was obsessed. I am in between. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I don't. I don't have strong feelings about this song, to be honest with you. Like, if it's on, it's fine. Um, I don't skip it, you know, but I don't seek it out. So then what were your guys' thoughts once you heard that it was going to be the fourth single off of Circus? I was like, I, I, I had no idea why. Circus had a lot of great album covers. Unusual you! Unusual you! Okay, so around this time of this song, you know, Britney, I, I, I'm talking when the song was released as a single, mm-hmm. not when it was on Blackout. Britney was doing the whole Candies thing. There was Radar Horse. Mm-hmm. There was the video did the video do anything for you guys? Because I'll be honest, it kind of does nothing for me personally, personally, personally. Agreed. Like it didn't do anything for me. Just watched Britney video. Like I literally, I I would go as far as to say like I kind of do hate it. It's a Candy's commercial. Yeah. It's just a Coles ad, and it feels really empty. Like you know, you can tell when Britney's into something. You yeah. can just tell. Yeah. She wasn't into this at all. She looks like dead behind the eyes. And I mean, on that note, let's move the fuck on. Break the Ice. <laughs> Break the Ice, track number four. Actually, one of my favorite songs on this record. Another Danger production. Another Carrie Hilson contribution. This song, I feel, at least production-wise, is definitely one of the strongest on this record. But my favorite part is because I love when Britney does this, is the bridge, talking bridge. I like this, I like this part. <laughs> and, and she brought it so much life when she performed it in Vegas. I listen to it all the time. It's so dancey and fun. And the bridge, I mean, the bridge really makes the song. Absolutely. It's so simple. Yeah, it, and you know what? Sometimes I think that when it comes to the Britney pop songs, I think the simplicity of it all, I think she's even said that in interviews before, actually, but the simplicity of the melody is really all you need. And it has that dark beat. When you think of the Blackout album and the Blackout era, this song kind of fits perfectly. Similar to Gimme More, where she starts off with, it's Britney bitch, you know, she has a moment at the beginning with this song as well, you know, how about how long it's been and how she's sorry she kept us waiting. And that's something that she can perform forever and ever. And it's always going to be relevant because I feel like we're always waiting for something from her. So this was very much a, like this. First of all, I agree with you. I think that this is almost like a defining blackout song. Mm-hmm. I would say it's as defining as Gimme More to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you could only pick maybe two or three songs to sum up this whole album, I would say this is like for sure one of them. This song reminds me, uh, first of all, the production is insane. It's incredible. It's like Jesse said, it's so danceable and fun to listen to. And I, this song puts me in the mind of like, basement parties and like auxiliary chords yeah girls <laughs> the smell of stale beer you know what i mean and like girls wearing like sequent waist belts like this is truly a basement party this whole album is a basement party album mm-hmm. 
but this is really a basement party song like this reminds me of being 19 and fucking wasted now i love that (laughs) (laughs) i love that carrie hilson also is doing background vocals on the song so i mean i have we ever carrie has talked about her time working with Britney, right? Like she's talked about it in interviews. Am I wrong on that or do we not know? No, she has. She said that Britney was one of the most professional people she worked with and that she was always like in and out. They would like come up with a concept. She would record it in like five minutes. And um, yeah, that they would just like hang out all night and look at beats and like have girl time. And I just like love that. Like I'm obsessed with that. Carrie needs a moment again. Like she's kind of been- Yes. She's been out of the limelight for many years. I wonder what that collab would sound like now. Oh my God. I would live for Britney and Carrie. to. I, I just like love Carrie Hilson. Like I'm a big supporter. <laughs> so you weren't one of the ones throwing Beyonce CDs at her then? No, absolutely not. Never. <laughs> the Break the Ice video, just to, you know, because this is the last video that was released from this record. For those of you who don't know who are listening, which I'm sure you do if you're listening and you've made it this far into the episode. But, you know, it's kind of like a cartoony, you know, superhero thing. I think I can understand why I understand why they did that, obviously, but I actually think that it could have been done a lot better. A perfect example for me of a video where the artist is not in it, but they their spirit is in it is Viva Forever by the Spice Girls. You guys know that video? Mm, Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's the perfect example to me because, you know, you had those fairies and they were so, like, perfectly designed and they're so, like associated with the song and you had the storyline of the young boys and whatever i feel like that video was still was okay that they weren't all in it whereas here it's just it's like you're watching this you're just you really feel that she's not there it's not as bad as hold me closer but like you feel that she's not there and it's a bummer because it's such a fantastic song yeah, um, she's missed for sure. Let's move on to track number five. The song that Britney herself said was her favorite around the time that this was released. I really like um, Heaven on Earth. I think it's a cool track. It's like, I love the producers who did that, and it's kind of different from the, all the other songs. So, probably that one. Heaven on Earth, a Cara Diogardi production, which is another collab that I'm kind of obsessed ever happened. I mean, this song is so ethereal. Mm-hmm. And angelic for it. and I, I i think it's a phenomenal solid song and i revisit it every time i listen to this album of course and you know it's one of those like sometimes i just want to listen to it first yeah even though i listen to this whole album usually um it's just i don't know it's it's easy breezy it's britney like serving cotton candy you know what i mean yeah, it's it's very the song that I'll listen to when I'm on like trip or something, you know, <laughs> like like kind of getting into another world, like really letting the music take you away. I feel like this is one of those songs in her discography that really you can just you have to listen with headphones and you have to just let the beat take you away. I agree with that. You This is a headphones song. You have to hear all of the little noises and the nuanced little glittery things happening in the background and the scents. I've always said that my biggest dream is for Britney to release like an 80s synthy pop album, mm-hmm. like, a, like an emotion type thing. Yeah. And this is the closest I feel like we've ever gotten. This is one of my all-time favorite Britney songs. 
I also will just listen to this song sometimes first. Right. I'm like, I, have, I need to hear Heaven on Earth immediately. And that run at the end. Oh, yeah. That moment, I've like the amount of times I've just replayed that. Whew, so good. I want to hear this song remastered in Dolby Atmos on Apple Music because I don't know if you guys realize, but they whenever something's run through Dolby Atmos on Apple Music, the background vocals that you've never heard before uh, all of a sudden are there. I can only imagine what they are for Heaven on Earth. Oh my God, I can't even fathom it because there's so many. I listen to this song and I still hear things in the background that I didn't realize were there. Oh God, I, I love it. And I, I kind of a, a real shame that she never performed this live, huh? Oh, when it's no live performance and no music video, this would have been such an incredible moment. I just think this was like a big missed opportunity. It's like that's my that's my thing. It's like you see songs like Radar that get played again. I'm like, if you were gonna put a song from Blackout as the bonus track, why the fuck is it not Heaven on Earth? Yeah. But besides for that, like, there's not too much to say about maybe like the lyrics and whatnot. I think that the really the main thing about this song is the music and her actual vocals, which sound so fantastic. And like, you know, it's the lyrics are kind of like lovey dovey, like, you know, you're heaven on earth, you're your breath. But it's definitely <laughs> that being in love song. Another song on this record that is maybe not ethereal, but is definitely one of her favorites. <laughs> Get Naked, I Got a Plan, a song that she, to this day, brings back and performs. I know she wishes that this was a single. <sighs> I love this song. She and I share a love of this song deeply. This is absolutely one that I will play first. Mm -hmm. um, like, often, frequently, it's just like, okay, get naked. It's so, I mean, creepy, of course, once again. I mean, she was just really in her, like, a spooky bag with this album, and I mean, I just want to like get I want to be just like grinding on some cock. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's just yeah, that's absolutely the vibe of this song. There's no holds barred. It's just absolutely straightforward sex. Well, the day it's produced by Danger and the Danger songs on this record, I think, are Blackout. Like when you think of Blackout, yeah. you oh, think yeah. of Danger's production. Am I wrong? One thousand percent. You are correct. Troy. This is an interesting question I have for you about this song. Okay. If there was to be a video for this song, because I feel like Get Naked is in the family of like Breathe On Me and Touch On My Hand, where it's like a mm. song that Britney wishes was released. So I feel like it's fair to have us like play this game of like, what would this video look like? Ooh, I love that question. In my mind, this video is like a classic, like Britney, like withering with a big group of people. Yeah. Like almost like the the embodiment of that moment in the slave video where like she gets her neck licked. Yes. Yes. That's the vibe, but like expanded, if that makes sense. That is the perfect analogy. Yes. Just like a dirty, grimy underground club, what they wanted to do for Till the World Ends, but done correctly. Yeah, ex that's yes. yeah, exactly. One thousand percent. I mean I was watching her um, prerogative fragrance commercials mm -hmm. uh, today, <laughs> just because you know I'm a big old big old faggot, and um, <laughs> I like that meets um, all night. Don't stop, Janet Jackson. I feel like would have been such a vibe for this. Mm. Yes. 
we got to make this playlist like the get naked into all night into my prerogative like we need to make this like dirty underground sex club playlist but it's just the from the commercial fragrance that's just i want to listen to that on a loop i love it coming soon to spotify (laughs) it's just me though i'm making the noises because they couldn't get the rights to it so coming soon to jesse's girls (laughs) yeah right the new theme song track number seven a song that i used to love and was ruined for me because of the piece of me show freak show i love it you do love love it i deeply love it yep it makes my shake it makes me like speaker shake it makes my ass shake i'm just shaking honey (laughs) I'm just shaking. <laughs> I used to really like this song too. Uh, and I always thought it was so, I remember when it first came out, this was like a song that was written about a lot because of like the dubstep thing in the background and like this being the first like mainstream pop album to have like a quote underground Stop. dubstep beat on a song. And that was like such a big deal at the time. So I always appreciated it for that. And I think it's really weird and interesting and like, it kind of is a song that I feel like only Britney could make, so I appreciate it for that. Right. I despised this part of the uh, Vegas show. And I, it just kind of like made me hate. I don't know. It wasn't ever a song that I would go to and be like, oh, I need to listen to Freak Show right now already. And then just seeing it in Vegas for a million years. Like, I'm just kind of like, I don't ever want to hear this again. Well, that's how I feel too. Like, I, I love the song, but I feel like because the performance was just pretty much just the same for five years it's like come the fuck on like give me something it's just like we need something else and it it made me not like the song which is kind of a shame because it's a song that she has a co-write on one of the two songs that she has a co-write on on this album i've always been curious to know what her contribution was to this song that would be interesting right like because it's a bloodshine avant production so we know that she knows how to work with them but she has a credit so i'm wondering like i think britney's always been really good at like writing actual lyrics like words and like melodies so i feel like that was probably she probably contributed to that but i would love to hear her actually talk about the song and actually i would love to hear her talk about her i'm sure i'm sure she despised performing it by the third year like there there has to i'm sure oh my god i can't even imagine and having to fucking spank perez hilton and shit god oh god well okay all of that is terrible but the song's still a bop so we're gonna (laughs) (laughs) no it is no no justice or freak show it is still a good song it's just that you know because we're looking we're looking at this record 15 years later this is the 15th anniversary so we've had 15 years of life to associate with these songs so naturally that's going to impact the opinion of the actual music yeah a song that i don't however despise after 15 years and a song that i actually think i love more toy soldier crash on the radio bet i fucking penned it man (laughs) the song makes the hairs on my arms raise like i literally love it so fucking much i live for this song I live for, like, the subtle shade to Kevin yes. that they obviously all were like, let's shade your fucking shitty ass ex-husband in this moment. What do you think about that? And it reminds me of a Missy Elliott song, kind of. Like, it sounds It sounds like it was produced by Missy. It was Sean Garrett. The bridge is very Missy. 
Ah, he said he's still in love with you, and that's like very messy. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm never gonna recover from that. Did you like that? Thank you. Try yeah. do it again. I heard he said he's still in love with you, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I hear one in you now. <laughs> <laughs> I want Troy doing that to be my alarm clock every morning. <laughs> we well, and that's that where up. we can disagree again, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but when I think of Toy Soldier, I think of Ellen DeGeneres dancing in her audience to this song the week that it came out because the amount of times I have seen that, and I don't admit it because I'm not an Ellen lover. is the first time anybody's hearing that. That's Britney Spears' new album, Blackout. And that's the very first time anybody's heard that song. And uh, what's the name of that song I just asked for? Number Toy eight. Toy Soldier. Toy Soldier. That, I love that song. Really good. I love it so much. And it comes out when? Today? Tomorrow? It's out today. All right. Well, it's in the stores today. But for you in the audience, it's yours for free. You just unlocked a memory, Michael. Yeah, I'm going to have to YouTube that immediately. Oh, my God. You guys guys don't remember this? I forgot that Ellen was so into Blackout when it came out. She would – and that was, like, so exciting because she would dance to this album, like, every day. Yeah, she – on the day that Blackout came out, she had the CD, and she was like, and I'm going to play my favorite song. And then we just hear, yeah, smash on the radio. Oh, my (laughs) God. Oh my god, I'm dead. You know what? With all I'm these totally like suburban me. moms watching, and they're like, like okay. <laughs> Such a missed opportunity for an amazing single and video that this could have been. Like, even just like imagining her dressed up as a toy soldier. Are we gonna talk about how on the circus tour she had a whole toy soldier section and she didn't perform her song Toy Soldier? Makes no sense. Insane. Like, that just screams Jamie Spears. One thousand percent. That screams mismanagement. That screams Larry stick to punching the numbers because, baby, you don't you're not a creative. It's giving very that. The next song on this record is actually one of my favorites, too. And I don't know if that's controversial. Hot as Ice, co-written by the king of music himself, (laughs) T-Pain. Living legend. You can look, but don't touch. Toy Soldier and Hot as Ice were actually like two of the album cuts that I knew back in the day, like, and listened to frequently whenever the album first came out. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know, very weird. And they were, like, misspelled on LimeWire when I downloaded them. <laughs> good um, times. Good times. Edit that out. Like, bleep out LimeWire. Um, <laughs> so the FBI doesn't get me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, those two songs were... Uh, I don't... I don't love them in the same way that I did now that I like have the full album that I've listened to, you know, but I still like them and they're still really fun songs. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a lot of really fun vocal things on Hot As Ice. Weird. It's weird me. Absolutely. Weird-ny. So I, I'm pro this song. Extremely pro this song. First of all, oh, God. Okay, guys, I was worried. Okay, good. I no. Oh my God. She's singing in a Southern accent. Are you oh, kidding me? It's very gospel me. Right? Oh, oh my God, literally. It's like, this is the Mississippi girl. Like, mm-hmm. this is, I I live for this song. I think her the way she delivers the lyrics is so full of, like, personality and character. And one thing that I've always found really interesting is that I truly believe with my entire spirit that Britney 
sings songs in character. Like, I feel like she adds, like, a character to these songs because this is not the same person singing every time. You know what I mean? Like, she's, like, leaning into, like, a vibe and, like, using a different voice. And I just think it's really interesting. And it's funny. It's also – the lyrics are very funny. Yeah, they are. <laughs> well, she brings she brings so much personality, I think, to her, to her music in general. This is something um, – I'm just going to talk about Femme Fatale for a second because hold it against me. The demo of that leaked and it sounded so not great. But then you hear Britney's version and Britney adds all her Britneyisms and whatever. And you're like, you see, it's her who makes these songs. It's her personality. It is her voice. And she has so much character in it. And that's why I love this song because it sounds like she just went in the studio and she's like, I'm going to have fun, y'all. And then just yeah. went off. Yeah, she sounds like she's having fun for sure. Which is wild when, that you mentioned the voice, though, because this album, her voice wasn't like at the forefront, you know, at all. No, no, it was definitely a production being the main thing that was bringing people in. It wasn't like, let's hear Britney sing. It was like, listen to this slick production. But yeah, I mean, when you really think about it, she was doing some really interesting things with her voice that she hadn't yeah. done before. Absolutely. <laughs> but I find myself like I wouldn't change this album at all because I think it's perfect and it it was exactly what it needed to be at the time but in britney's later career you know i find myself just like missing her vocal yeah Yeah. i'm gonna make an argument for that on this album because i think britney's robotic vocal on this album versus like a femme fatale for example like on that album it feels really like empty and like vapid Whereas here, to me, it just feels like they're doing like really interesting, like they're using her voice as a tool and doing all this weird shit with it. Like in Peace of Me, when they like do that weird effect on the bridge, you know what I mean? They're they're using her voice in a more interesting way. Mm -hmm. I think where it excuses that it's not the the forefront, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I'm not saying that they're not at all, but you go from her last effort was in the zone where yeah. her voice was just oh. everything. Well, yeah. But, but, but to that point, I mean, in the zone was, I think when she was at creatively her strongest, cause she, and, mm-hmm. and personally at her freest, whereas in blackout, she had gone through so much life shit that that was going to affect her voice, you know? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that we don't miss hearing her voice, like being the forefront of things. No, I get what you mean. Touch of my hand voice, just like the falsettos. Like, yes, I get what you mean. Like it, it, once again, I don't want to change this album because it, it did everything that it needed to do. But if Britney does want to come back to music and, and, you know, like really go for it in, in a really um, forward way now where she is, like, I want to hear her voice. And I love that voice of hers. Track number 10. Another Cara Diogordi contribution, because Girl was getting paid in the 2000s. Ooh, ooh, baby. A song that I've always loved. It's not. It's a song that I never thought needed to be more than what it was. Just, you know, a song on the album that's fun. Any excuse to hear Britney say baby 50 times is great in my book. I think that this is a very fun song. Yeah. But I've always felt like it was... Sorry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I think that this is a really fun song, but it's always felt a little out of place for me. That's all. 
that's really the only thing I could say about it. I think it's a great song. I think Cara Diaguardi is like so underrated and really deserves I agree. some kind of special or something about. Bro, her- she co-wrote Ain't No Other Man, everything for Hilary Duff, Ashley Simpson, like kind of a pop legend. She was that girl. Yeah, she's incredible. And she really like made the artists that she like, it didn't feel like. You know when you listen to a Pharrell song that he produces for somebody, it's like, oh, Pharrell did that song for this person. Right. She, like, would go in and figure out who the person was and make music for them. That's how I feel about, like, a Max Martin. Like, he is so great at capturing the essence of the artist, but still making it a classically catchy pop song. I think that Kara had some of that talent as well. She absolutely does. And, and, you know, I don't know if either of you have read her memoir. Uh, A hell of a high note. Of course I have. (laughs) (laughs) so gay <laughs> she she has notes about like every writing session and every artist she ever worked with like it's like basically like appendix of of all of them and that is incredible like you can you can be there in that moment when she was getting to know these people and and you know she talked about some that were harder to work with than others because they just didn't have life experience or a personality you know what i mean her talking about every one of those moments you know that she wanted to pull something out of the artist that she was working with and that is what makes it really special so i know that there's an argument that this song is out of place you know in terms of like if it's cohesive with the rest of the album i would take this over radar Personally. Oh, not even a question. <laughs> I said it. I know you like Radar Troy, but you know, I, I think Ooh Ooh Baby like stands on its own, even if there is that argument that it doesn't fit in the album, which I totally understand. But it, the way that Britney delivers it, it just makes it yeah. so special to me. And it's so undeniably catchy. My God, are you kidding me? I would say this is maybe the most like sing along <laughs> if you will, <laughs> song on this album. Like you're, you, if you listen to this, it's in your head for a week. Well, that little like guitar, like oh my gosh, mm-hmm. it just like it's it's an earworm. It just goes straight to my brain. I feel like this is probably one of the only songs on the Blackout album that can be interchangeable within her discography. I feel like I yeah. could hear this song on in the zone. I could hear the song on Circus. You know what I mean? Because it yeah, definitely Circus. It's not too dark. It's still fun, but it has like a little bit of her more mature. Vo- you know what I mean? So I feel like it's. Yeah. It does a good job of like catering to the fans that maybe weren't ready to hear the darker pop that was on this record, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a great point. It's like palatable, palatable Britney. Next track on the Blackout album, Perfect Lover, <laughs> the song that one of the very few songs of Britney's because I, it's awkward to hear her voice in certain times. But this song, because Ooh. it makes you feel it's not like it's romantic, <laughs> it's dirty and sexy at the same time. Another Danger Project. It is the classic Blackout sound. This song is so good. I feel so underrated. Like, I feel like people don't talk enough about how great this song is, even in her, um, like, in her fan base. And I just have to very quickly point out what I believe is the most poetic lyric of this entire album. If you if you steal like what I feel, Troy. Seriously, Troy, I know what I you're will fight do. you. I, know I will fight you because this is my favorite track on the album. So I'm just gonna throw that out there. But if you, but uh, you know, whatever, like go on. Uh, um, <laughs> pull up to my bumper. Need a you bitch. A you dirty bitch. I'm running low. Let me drive you crazy all night because we got so far to go. Are you? kidding i need a are you fucking kidding me i need a jump, jump. come on and you want to know why troy's a two-faced 
bitch because Why? I've told him how much I love this before. He just did that to her. That's a funny. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I did do it to hurt you. I love twisting the knife. You know that. I know, but no, that. Oh my god, that it, that makes the song. Yeah, it's incredible. It's it's probably the best lyric on this record. Yeah, for sure. Need a jump, not a chump. Like, first of all, who was saying chump still? Like, wow, like good for her. She was taking these risks. I'm telling you guys, this record. Good for her. She might as well have said, "Raise the roof." <laughs> also, pull up to my bumper. I just love that. I know, because you know she loves to drive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and also, you know, that's a kind of a an odd to Grace Jones a little bit, you know, the whole pull-up to my yeah. thing. That was, mm-hmm. very, that was yeah. another Carrie Hilson contribution. Like, come on, girl. Of course. Carrie was in her bag, y'all. And let me tell you, can, in the beginning of the second verse, when she goes, I love it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so do I. Exactly. So you know how earlier I wanted Troy's um moment to be my <laughs> new alarm in the morning. Well, you doing that moan should be my next one. Yeah. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> okay, but you know how we've like we talked about like potential music videos, just because I've thought about this a lot. Mm-hmm. This is full Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift for me. Ooh, very, 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 very that. Very, very, I'm very Fast and Furious. Very Fast and Furious. I'm talking like they hit like a NOS button like in the car mm-hmm. and they go faster. Like I want I want Britney in those like lover boy Mariah Carey like boy shorts, like metallic. Yes. I want her with like flags and she's like, you know, throws them down. And the boys start racing. Yeah. Like that is my fantasy for this song. Ugh. Very like gone in 60 seconds. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Any like car cliche that you can think yeah. of. Like I want it. I want hot rods. I want like souped up imports. I want seduction, fast cars. I want it all. You've thought quite hard and long about this, <laughs> Hard and long. Ah, oh, just like I like it. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, people are not going to be able to listen to this episode. <laughs> Rated 18 plus for your time. Um, no, but for real, I, I can totally see the song being a video. To me, in my mind, I always thought it more like the blackout. So you know how, um, who I'm trying to think of an artist who does this a lot. Um, you know how when their photos are like actually shoots from the video? Mm-hmm. Perfect Lover look sounds like the blackout photo shoot to me. Ooh, that's a really, really, really great. And now I love that. Yeah, it's like everything from the priest moment, like to the moment with the, you know, the boa in her dressing room to you know, the part where she's on the motorcycle. And it just screams like she could just be so seductive and there's the fishnets on and it's like, you know, you're the perfect love. I love all the things you do. I don't know. I just, I feel like the, I could totally see that like they, it was the perfect love her photo shoot and they shot these photos. I This is another good example too of like just her delivery really making this song so special. You know, like it's the way she delivers these lines and like, you know, she kind of, she understands like the playfulness of all the lyrics on this album and like how they're all very like tongue in cheek and um, kind of silly, kind of like, you know, they're, they're just like fun and she's delivering them in like a really fun way. Also, she looks impeccable as a brunette. Oh yeah. She really does. She, she rocked the brunette. I wonder if she would ever bring it back. 
she had that like moment a couple of years ago and she like hated it but i was like no 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 no, lean in yeah sweetie like at the elton party and those pictures have come back like so (sighs) so often since then obviously for obvious reasons britney with a dark lip and dark hair oh my gosh it's very 1998 like baby one more time Mm -hmm. promo it's so good for me and a brown jacket uh that like the that. like the lacy sheer thing that she's wearing in the photo shoot for blackout i love that too Gosh. yeah okay, i'm having a moment Whew, yeah i mean like this song it wakes people up in ways that you know not other songs do <laughs> <laughs> never got a live moment which is a little upsetting to me that's shocking actually yeah i wonder like, how she feels about it I wonder if she even remembers this song exists. Yeah, well, I mean, fair. <laughs> you know, I always think about, um, I don't remember which documentary it was of the 20 that came out in the same month, but in one of them, they yeah. talked about um, how she, for the circus tour, she actually wanted to just do deep cuts and like fan appreciation songs that she's never performed. And I always <sighs> wonder like what that list would look like or like what is Britney's perfect you know unreleased track listing like would this be on it i bet it would we all know get naked would be on there oh god absolutely (laughs) and i mean even though it's not it kind of doesn't feel like a deep cut but it is like perfect lover is totally a deep cut well no no no. i was talking about um from in the zone because she's performed it so many times but like breathe on me yeah and like touch of my hand like a medley of those two i just feel like deserves to be in a Britney deep cut show. I just had to say that. This track is definitely in Britney's sexiest songs, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Very sexy. Just how I like her. (laughs) Moving right along to the last song on the, I guess I'll call it the standard version of the album. There are Mm -hmm. other songs, but we will get to. My favorite song on the album. (gasps) Me too! Oh my God, that's such a a controversial opinion. Yeah, this is number two for me. It's my favorite song. I love it. Why should I be sad? Oh my god. People, I'm always so put off by how polarized people are by this song. I'm like, how could you people how? Don't like the song? How? How do you This is a, this is a straight up like fuck you to Kevin Federline. I don't know why people wouldn't like it. I love everything about the song. And what do I mean by everything? So I love the lyrics. The lyrics are fucking incredible. Same. They are personal, they are specific. They are exactly what I want from a Britney song, to be honest, in terms of her like being in an honest writing way, even though she didn't even write this song. But like you can obviously tell that Pharrell had spoken to her. You know, this is written and produced by Pharrell Williams, by the way. So the lyrics, her vocal delivery. She sounds great, but sounds like Britney, but is singing, but is still telling us a story. And just the way the song starts with. How she even just sounds with the they I, I can't sing, right? Like, but like you know what I mean. Like it's just so mm-hmm. like I'm starting, I'm there. Yeah. Her vocal delivery. And then just the music. This is one of my favorite Pharrell beats, to be honest. Cause as much as it does sound like a Pharrell song, it's not obnoxious. Like it's very like a little more laid back than what we're used to from a Pharrell song, but still in Britney's favorite term, a little more urban. <laughs> <laughs> I can go on and on about how much I fucking love this song. It's my favorite song on Blackout, but I will go so far as to say it is in my top 10 Britney Spears songs overall. Yeah, same. I, wow, Troy. Yeah. yeah. The song I think is just like really extremely special. And I think it's such a great example of something that Britney does better than really any other 
pop star in her lane, which is her ability to just kind of dip and dab in different genres and not feel like she's trying too hard or like she's, you know, it's not Christina Aguilera presenting an award in 2002 and being like, what's up, New York City? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Britney is so authentic in her love of R&B that it just kind of comes naturally and it feels like this is something that she could do a whole she could do a whole album like this and it would be really authentic uh, okay wait <laughs> we have to rewind for a second <laughs> okay are you please tell me that you both um are wendy williams watchers are you kidding yeah. how do you do it okay please tell me you remember when she talked about christina aguilera yeah. i don't I don't remember what the context was, but she yeah. was like, I only know black Christina. Yeah. Yep. She's like, she came to my radio show and said, dis my seat. <laughs> what you doing? <laughs> oh my God. She's like, so I only know black Christina. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, and to your point, Troy, like Brittany doesn't need to like go in the tanning bed for 86 years before she enters her R&B era. Right. A la oh God. Uh, Ariana Grande. I said it. <laughs> Christina Aguilera. Come on. We saw pictures, videos. 2003 exists. Like y'all. Ugh. But yes, I fully agree about this song. Um, the lyricism is really great. And I love in the chorus, it's like she's not dismissing her feelings but she is saying that it's not worth spending so much time agonizing over this clearly unworthy person so that's what i really love about this chorus and yes this is also a top 10 britney song for me overall Um, yeah perfect lover and this one are just my two like standout standout tracks from the album a song that i feel she has herself never acknowledged mm -hmm. which it's insane to me. If she ever does like a deep cut show, why should I be sad needs to be on there? The funny thing is, is that I remember when I first heard it, I think maybe it was because I was just a little younger. So it wasn't something I appreciated as much. Like I liked the song, but I it was not my favorite. But then the older I've gotten, mm-hmm. more of experienced things. Yo, do you know how many times I've turned to this song? Oof. And especially so, during a time when it was like, it felt really... You know, this album is not known for its, like, vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. And at the time, like, to have any nugget of what was going through her mind felt so special. It was like opening up Pandora's box. So to me, like, this song always represented, like, the one little moment in this album where she, like, really got, like, vulnerable and gave us a little detail as to, like, the insanity of her life at that time, you know? To hear it from her was so special. I would I would love to hear some some discussion about the bridge because I mean, just to quickly go over the lyrics, don't you worry about our angels, all the magazines trying to intervene, saying things in the gossip section. They'll get good guidance and be trained well. Don't worry, I'll keep our little secret, but I ask this question. Why should she be sad? I always mm-hmm. wonder. I'm like, what was Brittany yeah. thinking when she when she wrote down, I'll keep our little secret? What was she thinking in her mind? Pharrell is the only sole credited person on this song right. as the writer. But obviously he spoke to her. She obviously read these lyrics. She obviously was singing this. And I don't know, a part of me really feels that this song stemmed from personal conversations he had with her. I would love to know more about it because it's just, like I've said earlier, it's so specific. Those bridge lyrics are very introspective and very serious. They're They're really pointed for 
her to not be credited on this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. so it, it, it always, I always wondered, I'm like, there's has, she has to have been involved. Cause fun fact, everybody, there have been many times in her career where she wrote lyrics for songs and was not credited. Yeah. Don't Keep Me Waiting is actually an example from Femme Fatale. I keep bringing up Femme Fatale when it's not even my favorite album, but whatever. Um, I thought she was my least favorite. But anyway, Don't Keep Me Waiting, um, she had written that entire bridge. The, the other co-writer said she'd written that entire bridge, but she wrote it when everything, it was like the last song done or something like that, and it, everything was already being pressed, and she just didn't take the credit. What sounds like to me is they were like, no, you can't get pr- credit. Sorry. Yeah, I feel like she's always been, to her detriment, very comfortable allowing other people to get credit, like full writing credit. And we know Pharrell is like kind of an egotistical maniac when it comes to... how it happened with Khalees. Yeah, so it's like, of course, he's not going to... If the opportunity is there to not give somebody else credit, like he will take that moment. But there's absolutely mm-hmm. no way in hell she didn't put pen to paper for this song i just can't believe it well that's also like she's not credited on the snm remix but she has gone on record and said that she wrote her verse it's fucked up not right weird that it happened to somebody who was as big as her like i can understand the Khalees because those artists were never as big and they never had as much power but it's just weird to think that especially at these points in her career you know this is yeah you know, I, I always separate Britney's music career into two parts, pre-breakdown and post-breakdown. Yes. And everything post-breakdown, Britney Spears was a legend at this point, right? So, and all these writing situations that we've all just discussed were all after that. So it just screams conservatorship to me. For sure. That's what I feel. Yeah. Well, all this to say, hmm. Why Should I Be Sad is my favorite song on the album. It's one of my favorite Britney songs. As a album closer, you know, because it was the closer on the album that was the CD and the vinyl. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect song to end this album and to wrap up the blackout treasure, as I like to call it. But then there's the deluxe version that we get now on streaming for free, which I love. Number 13. We're back. Dramatic, I know, but <laughs> I feel like the introduction to the song was so dramatic. Well, this is peak weirdly. Yeah. <laughs> um, also very spooky. Slaps at the gym. Such a good, just like, yeah, this is a great gym song. This is a good, like, I need to do shit in my apartment. Like, I'm cleaning, you know, like, it's a good, like, I need to, like, be motivated song. I don't listen to it very often, to be honest. I do. I do. I, do. I, I, do. Listen more. I like it. I love this song. It's the it's it's been on my gym playlist since it came out when I was twelve when I started trying to work out. Literally, um, it weird like and something I noticed too whenever I was uh just pulling up the track listing is that it has just slightly more streams than Why Should I Be Sad. Wow. Interestingly enough, mm-hmm. it's a fantastic song. Yeah, Sorry, I really like I... it. I think it's fun. <laughs> I visit it for sure. <laughs> it always gets played when I do the album rotation. <laughs> it's a good song. I need to- Yeah, and honestly, Troy, like fuck you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> be episode, okay? We were all we were all thinking it. But, like, no, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, but you said it. <laughs> Finally somebody said it. <laughs> Obviously, it was a bonus track for a reason. It's a weirdest fuck song. I just like weird knee. That's all yes, it is. Totally. Number 14, the worst remix I've ever heard. <laughs> junkie XL mix. Oh. I, I don't even want to talk about it because I genuinely think it's awful. Yeah. I prefer the Kimmy Moore remix featuring Lil Kim. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> what, what a missed opportunity. I know. Um, what if I was like, I love this remix. It's my favorite remix ever. 
Um, the amount of judgment that is coming out of my body is fucking crazy. No, I never listen to the song. The moment I hear, I'm like, okay, we're done. It sounds like Armageddon. <laughs> it is the total opposite of like the spirit of the song, to which I hate. I find every remix that was a song, like between the years of 2003 to now, <laughs> remixes went to shit. Up until a couple years ago, remixes have gotten a lot better now, I actually find. Rehab did some good stuff with I, um, Rihanna, you know? I don't know. I just find that the Junkie XL era, well, that's um, bad. All, all of those remixers, like, honestly, like, give me two seconds. I'm pulling up the Give Me More remixes track list so I can name these motherfuckers. Well, the fact that we didn't get a Thunderpuss remix of it is Well, bro, Thunderpuss stopped making remixes, like... <laughs> mainstream like in the mid 2000s which is like ridiculous to me because he was my favorite remixer along with the iconic david morales whenever i think of album remixes it always it's like i don't know how to say this or put it into words but it's like you know when there's a song on an album that is just noise and it's like you know it as the song that you skip of course you know what i mean like like in my mind i can hear it right now the remix from in the zone of uh Oh, okay, listen, I'm going to tell you both something crazy. Okay. <laughs> that In The Zone remix is my favorite version of, uh, like, Me Against the Music remix. It's my all favorite. All my people, all my people. That one is actually not bad, but it's, like, it's just. <laughs> I kind like, of like it. I kind of like giving it. Bollywood. It's very, it's very uh, Jai Ho. It's giving very much Jai Ho. Oh my, oh my god, I love. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, we interviewed Ar Rahman at work, and they asked him about uh, Jai Ho. The whole <gasps> segment we played the Pussycat Dolls version. <laughs> oh my god, you mean the uh, Nicole Scherzinger featuring the Pussycat Dolls? featuring the Pussycat Dolls? Yeah, I was about to say. Oh mm, hush, 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 hush. Do you remember when that had featuring Nicole, and then it got taken off? Yes. <laughs> like, where <laughs> Holy shit. Nicole is probably the biggest demon of the music industry. <laughs> She's gonna not in this Zencaster recording, honestly. I <laughs> Nicole I, Nicole Schlesenberger at work because of, of uh, Wendy. Her her team works harder than anybody else in the industry. She hosts everything simultaneously. In her yes. show She's a judge on every show. She is Fergie's evil twin. <laughs> we can expound upon that later but you know yeah. who nicole is nicole scherzinger is the perfect example of somebody who is so talented and so gorgeous and the only reason she's not a star is because she's a bitch because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. okay, all the makings but... of being she's everything world, yeah. she's insanely talented she's insanely beautiful she literally has everything she's just a bitch and who- so nobody wants to look at her also who can say that they were in two different girl groups where they were unfairly pushed to the front of the group and still didn't have their Beyonce moment. That's wild to me. I know. Well, I don't know about unfairly um, necessarily for Eden's crush. Because they were like, okay. Over yourself, goodbye. (laughs) Great, great song. Top 10 hit. Um, (laughs) But I couldn't name any of those other people. Well, who can? They can. You guys, please tell me you know, because you know, Eden's I know we'll get back to Britney in a second please tell me you know because Eden's crush came from the show pop stars yeah there was a, sh- a a version in Canada 
and the winners were the group Sugar Jones. Mm. Oh, tell I'm me. unfamiliar. You're not. Oh my god, this is what you guys are gonna do when we're done the blackout. You're gonna go on YouTube and you're gonna look up Sugar Jones Days Like That. It was a song from 2001. It was a huge hit in Canada. It was like I think it was actually number one on the Canadian charts. Similar to Eden's Crush. After that, they were gone, and that's it. But like that one song was fucking iconic. You and you would love it. Like you would love it. Consider me already um, high listening to it when we're done. Exactly. You have to. So you have to. Number 15. I have a lot of opinions about this song. Ugh, Everybody. Do. I don't need it. It's I, like, uh, it's so weird. It sounds like, okay. It sounds like you went to a college party where they hired a semi-popular like DJ in your local area and he mixed the the mix for the night for the party and he threw in a lot of the you know what i mean like all of that and no one cares because they're drunk but (laughs) if you actually listen to it you're like huh this is terrible (laughs) (laughs) uh i actually 100,000% agree with you I, i think everything that you just said is perfectly sums up how i feel I do not like this song. I don't (laughs) get out. I don't want it. I don't need it. I literally, this is another one. When it comes on, it sounds like noise because my body Mm -hmm. is programmed to change it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, okay, listen, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I haven't jammed to it before. Oh God, you sick fuck. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. Listen, (laughs) I have jammed to it before, but it's, it's not a song I like. Do you understand what I mean by that? It's like listening to a song by Three Doors Down. <laughs> you just hit Jesse in the deepest part of his spirit. Okay, That's here's what I mean by that. Here's what I mean by that. I love butt rock. Oh my god. Here's what I mean by that. You obviously can sing the song. You're singing along, and when you're singing along, it's not about experience, but you don't like them. <laughs> I'm here without you, baby. (laughs) Michael, if you knew how much Jesse loves that music, like, he literally, it's his whole spirit. I mean, I like that song. You know, but that's what I mean by that. I like the song, but I don't like them. So it's like everybody. It's like, I don't like, like the songs, I listen to it. And I kind of like it. But here are my things with the song. Okay. J. R. Row Tim. How they still put this song on the album after all the disgusting things that this man said about her before the song came out on the album. Wow, I've never thought about the timing of that, but you're right. How the fuck? That was before? Because they worked together at the end of 2006, and in the prime of 2007, he was saying all this nasty shit about her. And like, we're not going to go into it, but it was about their sex life yeah Yeah. and they left the song on the album i don't know how it was left on there so maybe it was because it was a digital only song they were like oh let's just put something here to get people to buy the album on here and britney didn't care but to me it feels like it should have everything that she did with him should have not been allowed on this album because he essentially humiliated her and slut shamed her at a time when she was going through a huge custody battle and was obviously going through a hard time and just sold the story to an outlet to make some money. Yeah. Being a sleazeball. When do, when do I jam to it? When I press play on the Blackout album and it plays the whole thing. That is the conclusion of the 
Apple Music Spotify streaming version of this album. So now that we have kind of gone over everything, I'm going to ask both of you what your three favorite songs are on this album. And I'm also going to ask you guys if you agree with the very popular social media rhetoric that this is her best album. So whoever wants to go first, shoot. You go first, Jesse. Oh my gosh, why me? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. (sighs) Okay, well, Perfect Lover and Why Should I Be Sad are my obvious top two. Mm -hmm. If I am like... If I'm not basing it on... mm, My number three, I'm going to say... Dun, dun, dun. I'm gonna say get naked. It was almost break the ice. Oh, okay. Yeah, controversy. <laughs> what was um, the tiebreaker? What was the? Well, I was thinking about which one I like actually listen to more or go to the album for. Right. I think I listen to them like pretty equally, but like sometimes I'll play get naked over break the ice. Right. Yeah. Okay. Whew. That was scary. You made it. <laughs> And then we, I think we can discuss like a best album or not, like after everyone talks, because I'm not prepared for that conversation. Okay. Okay. Fair, fair. Troy, what are your top three? So my top three on the album are Why Should I Be Sad, Heaven on Earth, and I'm going to say Peace of Me, because I think oh. like such a great single. And like you said earlier, it really kind of defines Britney at this point. Um, and I also just wanted to very, very quickly say that even though they're not listed as like bonus tracks... Kiss You All Over, Out of This World, and Sugarfall are should be the bonus tracks on this album. I just wanted to say that. On that note, my actual favorite <laughs> one, one of those songs is When You Go Pull Up. Oh, God. What <laughs> 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 made me lightheaded? Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I love that song. You guys know why should I be sad, right? With Carrie Hilson. Er, oh my god, hello. Not why should I be oh, sad. I was like, hello. What? You guys know out of this world, right? Out of this world. Yeah, yeah, I love that song. Of course. Of course. Um it's it's yeah, I do like I, I like out of this world a lot. Um I love Sugarfall. Um that's Pharrell, right? Yes. Uh, Funniest yeah, fucking I, lyrics. Yeah, I love it. Um But okay, so yes, my top three. Why Should I Be Sad is definitely at the top, 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 top of the list. Um, I'm also going to say Heaven on Earth. Look at us. My favorites are Why Should I Be Sad, Heaven on Earth, and Break the Ice. Perfect. Yeah, that's my top three. In terms of the first question I asked, which was, do I think the rhetoric of the surprise album, blah, 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 My answer is no. This is not her best album, guys. I'm sorry. I made a TikTok not long ago with all my vinyls, like doing like, this is whatever best album. And it was very controversial that I said that it was not her best album. But you know what, guys? I come from the earlier crop of Britney fans, mm-hmm. the crop that experienced prime Britney. Pretty mania. And there is absolutely nothing that will ever compare to that time. So my favorite Britney album is the album Britney. and blackout is a great album it's one of her best but it is not her best thank you that was great that was very well said and brave (laughs) very brave um 
I agree with you. I so I, I have odd feelings about this. I think that there are people who like when you ask Britney fans what's your favorite Britney album, there are people like us, because I agree with you, Michael, who look at the whole moment, the era, the time period, the fashion, the performances, the music videos, all of it, like Britney's state yeah. at the time. I think that that means something because Britney is also such a visual artist. And I think to say that like your favorite Britney album is one that she didn't promote and barely performed and that we have to kind of like look at with all of these like what ifs is odd. I really do think that. I understand its impact on music was so profound that I get why it has that place. And I understand like it really shook the industry and all the girls started going in and tinkering and adding weird shit to their music too. I get that. But I don't think it's Britney's best album. I don't think that's fair to say. Yeah. Well said. I agree. This is weird. Um, <laughs> I've I've like toiled over this question, Michael, because like different Britney albums have meant something different for me in different parts of my life, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think Britney is her best album. Yes. I do. And I've said that to people and they're like, in the zone. Wow. Like, okay, yes, I love in the zone, of course. Like masterpiece. But Britney was like, it was no one transitioned into like an adult in front of our eyes better than that transition with Britney. Like it just it felt so natural. It felt so her. It wasn't a spectacle in a way that was only to grab attention. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A la bangers, you know, even though bangers is like, has its place in cultural history. Of course, you know what I mean? Love bangers. <laughs> no. And I'm not even saying bangers is bad at all. Like bangers is a great album, but bangers was fully to like intentionally make a statement. Yes. yes. Whereas Britney never had to. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. It is very na- natural progression like it's not you know, yeah i get what you mean bombastic love cinderella cinderella bro let's not even talk about Cinderella. my um <laughs> all of my favorite songs of hers are from the britney album like cinderella anticipating over you take me like i love i'm not a girl like i'm a Oof. i'm I'm genuinely in love with that song. I love it too. The live performances. Don't it's just, it's just, yeah. I thank you. All of you guys backed me up on that. No guys, blackout is not her best album. And if you think it is her best album, it is because you were born after the year 2005. And I don't know what to tell you, Um, but (laughs) it is a fantastic album and it is a shining pinnacle in her discography it's celebrating its 15th anniversary this year i wanted to do something special so that's why i wanted to have you guys on here before we wrap things up i would love it if you guys each took a minute to tell everybody where they can find y'all on social media and projects that you have going on you can find me on tiktok instagram twitter at cham breezy and that's Z-E-Y because a child took the normal way that you spell breezy back in the day when I made those accounts. Um, I also have a podcast called Jesse's Girls. And just like there's no I in team, there's no I in Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> I like the, it's like you've worked that out so perfectly. Because everybody <laughs> just spells everything wrong. And so I just make it easy for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Love y'all. Love you mean it. <laughs> Um, well, I have a podcast called Beyond the Blinds um, that you can find by just searching Beyond the Blinds everywhere. 
And I have another podcast called Dunzo that both Michael and Jesse have appeared on several times. Yes. Um, and yeah, you can find me on the internet at Troy McEady. And I'm most active on my Instagram, which is Dunzo Pod. Thank you guys so much. We will wrap things up. We are done our first episode of the third season. You guys, please continue to tune in. I will be doing a lot more guests this season. I feel like I just love the discourse of music and I just love seeing how people react to things when we bring up different songs, different lyrics, and just the memories that can pop up for people. And I feel like that's why I love to listen to this shit. So, hey, let's bring it to the forefront. Happy 15th anniversary to Blackout. Yay. Yay. Yes. Bye, everybody.